This Sunday is a big day in the life of our church. For the first time in 14 months, we are back in the sanctuary. And of course, we are very happy about that. Um, right now, though, I am preaching to an empty church, uh, except for Michael Barber, our videographer. Uh, we are going to try a couple different things to adjust to this new reality of, of online and in-person worship. So bear with us for a few weeks until we get this figured out. But it's a big day, and it's a sign that... Um, this pandemic is coming to a close, we pray. Today is also the beginning of a new series that we're titling, entitled Encounters with Christ. And what we want to do over the next number of weeks is take a look at what may be some very familiar stories from the Gospels of encounters that Jesus had with people. All kinds of people, people uh, who were in need of healing, religious leaders who came to Jesus with deep questions, outcasts who were absolutely confident that they were outside of the scope of God's love. And as we look at these encounters, we're going to ask a couple key questions. And really, you can bring these questions to any passage in uh, the Gospels when you read through them as you do your own personal study. What do we learn about Jesus from these encounters? Who is he? What does he value? How does he treat people, relate to people? What does Jesus deeply care about? What does he teach? Also, we want to ask the question, what do these stories tell us about the people Jesus encountered? What were their deep yearnings? What were their needs? Why did they come to Jesus? And how were they changed or transformed after their encounter with Christ? We'll ask these same questions of ourselves because we will see a bit of ourselves in all of these people. And we're preaching this series because Christianity really boils down to this. It is a trusting relationship with Jesus Christ. A Christian is someone who trusts Christ to lead them, to guide them. A Christian is a person who loves Jesus and desires to live life in the way that Christ did a follower of Christ. So I'm excited about these series. this series. I love these stories, and I hope uh, you do too. Today we're going to take a look at one of my favorite stories that I'm sure is familiar probably to most of you. It's the passage from Matthew 14, uh, the story of this perfect storm and Jesus walking on the water. Let me read it to you. It's Matthew 14, verses 22 through 33. Immediately, Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to the other side while he dismissed the crowd. After he had dismissed them, he went up on a mountainside by himself to pray. Later that night, he was there alone and the boat was already a considerable a distance from land, buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. Shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them, walking on the lake. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, Take courage! 
It is I. Do not be afraid. Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. Come, he said. Then Peter got down out of the boat, walked on the water, and came toward Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid, and beginning to sink, cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You have little faith, he said. Why do you doubt? And when they climbed into the boat, the wind died down. Then those who were in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. May God bless this reading of his holy word. Let's pray together. God, I pray that you would teach us through this great story. Teach us about who you are, um, what you have for us, what you challenge us, who you challenge us to be. Lord, help us to realize, to learn about um, your true nature and about our nature as well and what it means to walk in faith with you. For we pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. We are all familiar with the phrase, a perfect storm. I did a little research this week and was surprised to find out that this phrase has been around since the 1850s, but really came into common popular usage. After a 2001 story, a movie starring George Clooney. (laughs) Clooney was a fish captain, or a captain of a fishing boat, uh, off the coast of New England when a perfect storm hit. And the story is really about Clooney and his crew trying to survive in this terrible storm. The storm was actually actually a confluence of three powerful storms, and the boat was caught right in the middle of it. Now the phrase is used to describe any event or situation which is aggravated drastically by an exceptionally rare combination or confluence of events. I would say that since the last time we worshipped in this sanctuary, 14 months ago, we all collectively, to varying degrees, have experienced a perfect storm. And it's not just three events that has caused this perfect storm, but five. Think about what we've been through this last year. We have experienced and are still experiencing what we Hope will be the end of a once-in-100-year pandemic. We have, to varying degrees, experienced an economic downturn that is the worst our country has seen since the Great Depression. We have undergone great social upheaval, seen our cities erupt in huge protests and even riots. We have come face-to-face, I hope in a new way, with the racial inequality that exists in our country. And we have witnessed, personally felt, political instability and polarization, and watched really in disbelief as our nation's capital was stormed by an angry mob. Five storms combining into a perfect storm 
in 2020-21. Any one of those storms would have thrown us off balance, would have made us feel anxious and afraid, but all five in the same 14 months, it's been quite a stretch, hasn't it? And this perfect storm has left us all weary, uncertain, eager for life to return to some kind of normalcy. This storm, I believe, has also changed us. I'm not exactly sure how it has changed all of us, but I'm sure it has. Because storms change us in profound ways. And as people of faith, we know that God does some of his best work in our lives during times of storm. He uses them to change us, to challenge us to look at our lives. Oftentimes, God gets our attention during storms. He uses them to build our faith, to teach us to trust him more fully. Storms are tough. We don't like them. <laughs> and it's, they're not something we eagerly sign up for, for good reason. And yet, I can tell you with full confidence, God seems to teach us things during storms that we don't seem to learn any other way. We are all in this perfect storm right now. It isn't over yet, but it seems like the winds are dying down, the waves are calming. Let me encourage us. God can use storms to reveal to us some very important truths about who Jesus is and about who we are. And these important truths can change our lives. The first truth that I see in this story is that storms can reveal to us who we really are. This is what happened to the disciples in this story. They had experienced this long day of teaching and ministry. They witnessed Jesus feeding 5,000 people from a loaf of bread and a couple of fish. And when evening came, Jesus told them to get in a boat and set sail for the other side of the Sea of Galilee while he went off by himself on a mountainside to pray. And as so often happens in this particular body of water, a furious squall comes just out of nowhere. And the wind is blowing, the sky is dark, the waves are crashing over the boat. And the disciples, although some of them are very experienced fishermen who knew these very waters well, they're terrified. And they just aren't a little concerned. They are fearing for their very lives. And in the midst of all this chaos and terror, they see this figure coming toward them, walking on the water. And the passage tells us, the text tells us that they, the disciples think Jesus is a ghost, and they cry out in terror. Now, let's stop right here and look at this first lesson. Storms can reveal to us who we really are. My guess is the disciples, being human, thought that they had things under control until they realized the magnitude of the storm. Some of them were fishermen, like I said before, and they had been through storms 
on this very sea before. They probably thought as the storm came up, we got this, we can control this situation, and in fact tried to do exactly that before they saw the walking Jesus. Then they realized that they were up against something bigger than themselves, something that they could not control. Storms, tough times in life, those times when we come to the end of our rope, can reveal to us that we are not quite as in control of our lives as we would like to think. This is an important truth. It's not easy to hear, but it's true. It's hard to hear because, you know what, we can spend our whole life working very hard to be in control. We go through life, achieve some level of prosperity, build up a substantial nest egg, gain a comfortable lifestyle, and life is pretty good. And it's easy for us to think that we are in control. Some nice things about this danger, for sure, but it is a danger, or about this mindset, but it is a danger. We can gain a self, false sense of security, a misplaced sense of security, think we are in control, and it's easy to trust in ourselves and all that we have built. Our investments, our bank account, living in a nice town that is pretty much crime-free. We have all those things around us to protect us from the sometimes unpredictability and chaos of the world. And then something like COVID-19 hits and all the other storms that we experienced these past 14 months, and we realize painfully that we are not quite in control as much as we thought. And it's when we bump up against something like these things we have bumped up against that we realize we are inadequate to control something this big. All those things we have placed around ourselves, they really cannot protect us. Those things cannot really ultimately give us security. See, a storm, it can reveal to us where we really place our trust. The disciples were afraid because they didn't know Jesus well enough to have a faith that he could handle the situation. Tough times, storms, can reveal to us the same thing and cause us to ask some important questions. What is the source of my security? And where do I place my trust? You know, there's something else that storms can reveal to us about who we really are. Storms can reveal to us that our professed priorities in how we really live may not be as much aligned as we had hoped or thought. Let me say it again. We, it reveals to us that our professed priorities, how we want to live life or how we think we are living life, does not really line up with our professed priorities. Now, this point really isn't in this story, but I have to throw it in. A, a couple weeks ago, I talked about 9-11 and the aftermath of that tragedy. People stuck, took stock of their lives where, and really asked the question, am I living life the, really, I, the way I want to live life? And interesting things happened. 
I said a couple weeks ago, remember, people took stock of their lives and they made changes. Relationships which had been broken years ago over something that probably they can't even remember were reconciled. People changed careers to do something they really loved. Worship attendance all across the country spiked. People started paying more attention to their spiritual lives. Couples who had put off getting married decided it was time to get married. And people worked less and spent more time cultivating relationships. I remember reading a column in the Chronicle uh, during this time, and it was entitled, We Are Better Now. We were better because of the changes we made following 9-11. When something like 9-11 or a pandemic or all these other things that we are experiencing happens, we realize that life is precarious, that it, it can change in a heartbeat. And we begin to live life according to what's most important. So storms can really reveal to us who we are. And here is the second truth that is even more important. Storms reveal to us who Jesus Christ really is. We see in this story that the disciples do not yet know who Jesus really is. Although by this time, wow, they had heard the profound uh, wisdom in his teaching. They had witnessed him healing people. They had just witnessed him feeding 5,000 people out of uh, a loaf of bread and a couple fish. And yet, they didn't really know who he was. They hadn't confessed it yet. And this experience of the storm changed all of that. The experience on the lake changed them. Remember, the disciples cried out in fear, and immediately Jesus said to them, Take courage. It is I. Don't be afraid. And the word that Jesus uses here for courage, it's really interesting. It means to dare, to be bold, to be of good courage, to even be cheerful, to trust, and to go out bravely. It is an action word. It means to take a step forward. Now, isn't it kind of crazy that Jesus uses this word? Doesn't he realize that the disciples are in over their heads, that they are completely terrified by this storm? Doesn't he realize they are paralyzed by fear? Well, none of this makes sense until you hear really the accurate translation of this verse. The most accurate translation is this. Courage! I am! More than saying, it is I. More than saying, hey guys, you know, don't worry, it's me. No, what Jesus is saying is, I am is with you. This statement is a statement of the revelation of God. These are the same words that God spoke to Moses through the bush, the burning bush. Remember, Moses asked God, who shall I say sends me? And God simply replies, I am sends you. To the ears of these Jewish disciples, these words were extremely powerful. They knew their, their history. 
They knew their Old Testament. And up until this point, they had not confessed Jesus was God. But by the end of this passage, as we read, they say, Truly, you are the Son of God. You are the great I Am. You see, when Jesus says, Courage, I Am, he is saying, He is the same God who created the waves, the lightning, the sea itself. The God who spoke and all things were created. Jesus is claiming to be the eternal God who transcends space and time. The I Am who led the Jews out of Egypt, who parted the Red Sea. It is this God who walks toward them on the water. Dale Bruner writes, According to the Holy Scriptures, human extremity is the frequent meeting place with God. And as I have said before, I believe and will say again, God's address is at the end of our rope. The disciples, they know when they hear these words that they are in the presence of the mysterious, totally other, holy God. And this is why they can have courage, even in the midst of a perfect storm. And this is why we can have courage. One last thing. Jesus challenges Peter to take a step of faith, to risk, to get out of the boat and walk on the water. Now really, we know this story, but would you expect Jesus to do this? In the midst of this terrifying storm after all that Peter has been through, we would expect faith to be safe. In fact, we want faith to be safe, especially in the midst of a storm. We want safety. We want God, the comforter, the encourager, the sweet presence. And boy, we need those sides of God. But sometimes, even in the midst of a terrific storm, Jesus calls us to risk. You know, there's this old little poem that I came across I hadn't seen for a while. I want to read this to you. It describes this risk-free faith that many of us really desire. Wilbur Reese is the author, and this is what he writes. He said, I would like to buy $3 worth of God, please. Not enough to explode my soul or disturb my sleep, but just enough to equal a cup of warm milk or a snooze in the sunshine. I don't want enough of him to make me love a person who is different than I am or pick beats with a migrant worker. No, I want ecstasy and not transformation. I want the warmth of the womb, not a new birth. I want a pound of eternal in a paper bag. I would like to buy just $3 of God, please. That's how we like our faith most often. It's safe and comfortable. But maybe, 
maybe even in the midst of this perfect storm in which we find ourselves, Jesus may be calling to us to get out of the boat and walk on water. My hope is that we have really evaluated our lives over these last 14 months. And maybe in the midst of that evaluation, maybe you hear the voice of God, that still small voice calling you to risk in your relationship with him, to move deeper, to a deeper level of intimacy with him, to allow him to transform you and to change you and to challenge you. Maybe you hear God calling you to risk in relationships, to move closer towards someone, to become a person who is more vulnerable with others, more open. Maybe God is calling you to risk loving another person who is really different than you are. Maybe, just maybe, God is calling us as a church to get out of the boat, to risk a little bit, to step out in uncomfortable waters, in, into scary waters that we've n- never ventured before. In fact, I have to tell you, I'm sure God is calling us to do that. Even in the midst of all of this, the good news we can take with us from this passage is that in the midst of a perfect storm, Jesus, the great I am, is with us and says, Courage, it is I. I am. Don't be afraid. Amen. Let's pray together. God, we thank you for this wonderful story and all that we learn about ourselves, about who you are, what faith is, and what you call us to. And God, I pray that we would not leave this perfect storm which we have experienced, uh, unchanged people. But rather, we would be open to you and the transformation you want to bring in our lives, that we would take a good look at our lives and see what we might need to change, that we would listen intently to what you may be calling us to do, both as individuals and as a church. And may we have courage in the great I am and step out of the boat. For we pray these things with great confidence in the strong name of the risen and reigning Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.